Happy New Year. It is the NFL Tournament Strategy Show. Greg Ehrenberg here, here joined by millionaire maker winner Neil Orfield. Also, we don't give enough love to Tyler Zander, who happy new year to Tyler also, who's looking great with his new fully grown out beard. Our show is sponsored by Prize Picks. Lots of good things going on. Neil, happy new year. How you doing? I'm just mesmerized by Tyler's beard. I can't get over how great he's looking today. Love the beard. I'm sorry that the rest of the people watching the show can't see it, but uh, Tyler's looking amazing. How are you doing today? Uh, all things considered, doing doing okay. It's uh, I'll be I'll be pretty excited after tomorrow ends. But you know that aside, this is uh, it, it. It's an interesting NFL slate because we don't have Saturday night games. There's no Thursday night games. Bye weeks are over, so there's a ton of teams. And I've been thinking about this all morning. Because I've made I've made dummy line for tomorrow, and to be honest, I generally don't love massive slates for football. I don't love them for basketball. I don't love them for baseball. And to get to these 14, 15 game slates, I always struggle with limiting my player pool. So I wanted to ask you: Is that an issue you have, or do you not really have an issue with just spreading yourself really thin and getting a ton of exposure across the board to a bunch of different players? Yeah, so I I generally do spread myself really thin on these large sites, which is maybe a leak in my game. Sometimes I think I should probably concentrate more on the games that I like instead of getting players from all over. But yeah, I think I, I tend to play a lot more players. Uh, you know, I don't just limit myself to four quarterbacks, which I've seen some really good players do that this year. I've seen whistles go woo has done it. Uh, Megan Joy, I saw one a slate where she had just one quarterback across the whole slate. So I've definitely seen some some top players winning tournaments using. Uh, just one quarterback or limited their exposures to players, but it's not something that I've started doing yet. Um, maybe it, it might be the way to go though. Yeah. The, where, where I start to get tripped up on some of these slates is like, I'll look at the running and I'm generally uh, spread pretty thin at quarterback. And I don't, I don't have an issue with that particularly, but then I look at running back and it's like, I don't know. I feel like there's 30 guys who want a roster this week. And, and it's kind of hard to, to then be like, you know, am I spreading myself too thin in terms of, you know, I'm giving myself so few chances to, to win when let's say, Hey, maybe I really like when we talk about uh, running back later, I really like Michael Carter this week. I really like Sony Michelle, but realistically on a slate, that's 14 games. If I'm just trying to build lineups to the optimize, I was like, I'm just not going to get a mass amount of exposure. Any one player it ends up being a little, a little spread out. So do you think that you end up with a lot more players in your player pool on a slate like this than say like last week where it was, you know, significantly smaller? Yeah, I do think, I mean, on this slate in particular, also because there's just no lock plays. So like Sony Michelle looks good this week, but he doesn't look as good as he did a few weeks ago when he was just in a smash spot against the Jaguars. And basically that was like one of your roster spots is going to Sony Michelle. On this slate, we don't really have any players that I think I'm going to be playing in 60% of my lineups or more. I think it's going to be pretty spread out. Um, so yeah, I think, I think this is going to be a, a large pool of players for me this week, just because there are so many good options and no real great options. And do us a favor as we are about to start talking position by position, like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel and be sure to check out NFL live before lock tomorrow, because pretty good chance that things are going to change between today and tomorrow, as is Neil and I were talking about before the show started is Lamar Jackson going to start pretty pivotal news for, uh, for the slate. And we've already got the Jonathan Taylor, not, not some fake Jonathan Taylor, the real Jonathan Taylor running back for the Colts. He's saying that he likes Tyler Huntley this week if he starts, but once again, we don't know exactly who's going to be at quarterback for the Ravens, but talking about the quarterback position, given the options we currently have, if you're spending up for a quarterback, who are the guys that stand out to you? Um, all of the usual suspects. Tom Brady looks great against the Jets. That is a pretty massive spread, so I guess there's some risk of a blowout, but we don't really 
try to factor that in too much because if they do blow out the Jets, it's probably going to be because Tom Brady did well. Um, Tom Brady has a 15.5% chance of being the top stack and he's only 7.1% owned. Um, his options are kind of condensed this week. So I, I really like Tom Brady. Um, Patrick Mahomes, that is, I believe, the highest uh, score and expected game of the slate. So really like Patrick Mahomes against the Bengals, only project for 6% ownership, but uh, top stack 13.3% of the time. Um, Josh Allen, again, looks great against the Falcons. Pretty bad defense. They're expected to put up nearly 30 points. That's also a massive spread, even, even a larger spread. Um, but 10.4 projected ownership, 13.4% top stack percentage. So all of really the, the top options look really good. And then Matthew Stafford, um, yeah. another, another top option that looks great to me, only projected for 3% ownership, which really surprises me after we saw the Ravens just get crushed last week. Uh, it would not surprise me at all to see to see the Rams put up 40 plus points in this game. And if they do, I think it's going to be because of Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, the receiving options only projected for 3% ownership. We have them at 12.3% top stack odds. So I really like all of those guys. Do you have a preference among them or anybody else that I'm missing at the top? No, I actually wanted to talk to you about something with Matthew Stafford because we've seen so much of the volume get targeted to Cooper Cup. And I've kind of always held this position where if I'm taking a quarterback who's a pocket passer, I want to make double stacks with them. Because the idea being, if Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, a quarterback like that lands in the optimal lineup, it probably means they threw for over 300 yards. They had four passing touchdowns or do something like Joe Burrow did last week, which is obviously an outlier of a performance. But so much of the targets are getting funneled to Cooper Cup now. And there's a little bit of a narrative at play, too, where he's in the running for the receptions record and receiving yards record in a single season. Two weeks left to accomplish those goals. And based on some tweets, Bucklers like Jalen Ramsey was like, I hope that Cooper Cup gets it this week. And it seems like they're going to make more of a concerted effort to get the ball as much as possible to Cooper Cup in these final two weeks to end the season. But now bring this back to as it relates to Matthew Stafford. I usually do like to make, like I said, double stats with pocket passing quarterbacks. Do you think for this specific situation, just the crazy outlandish amount of volume that's going to Cooper Cup, it makes sense to have stacks that are just Cup and Stafford? I do. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't usually force in double stacks anyway, but in this case in particular, yeah, like you said, Jalen Ramsey's talking about Odell Beckham Jr. has come out multiple times and said, oh yeah, I've been pushing ever since I've been here for getting Cup that record. And now they're so close when the whole team wants it and they're playing against a defense that they should be able to do whatever they want. I would expect them to force it to cup a little bit more than usual. So I think it does make sense to just do a single stack uh, Stafford to cup. And the hard part for me is going to be the run back. I have missed that each of the past two weeks. That's been, they've just been crushing with Mark Andrews and I have not been playing him. So maybe that's not the hard part. Maybe I should just be playing Mark Andrews. Uh, but yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to do a, a single stack there. Yeah, and the running back does become a little complicated because, like you said, it's generally been Mark Andrews, but we didn't even have Bateman to to consider in the past, and now it's like Bateman could have a decent game from time to time. Hollywood Brown obviously clearly has the upside. And then if Huntley starts a quarterback, I get that Huntley's played pretty well when he's out on the field recently, but now we have these crazy takes on Twitter where people are like, is Lamar Jackson expendable? No, he, right. he just – like he won MVP two years ago. He's not He's not expendable. But, you know, he does appear to be a quality a quality enough backup, but I don't know that I trust him that much more. I want to force Ravens runbacks in my Ram stacks. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm the same way. And I, I've been I've been forcing runbacks a lot less this year than I, I still usually do force a runback, but I pick and choose spots where I don't force it. And I think this is a game where I might not force the runback just because even with the great game that he had a couple weeks ago, I'm still a little bit afraid of Tyler Huntley. And, and he can also do a lot with his legs. So that kind of limits the 
the need for his pass catchers to have big games. So yeah, I don't, I don't think this is a spot where I will force the run back. I'll just maybe give them a boost in Stafford stacks. And the other thing too, that's kind of made it hard to force run backs in, in some stacks this year. We've had a lot of games with lower totals and a lot of really wide spreads. So there's a lot of games where it's like, Hey, the Rams look really good as an individual stack team, but then the team they're playing against might not look as good. Cause we've seen a lot of games. Like for instance, this year, New England, Jacksonville, not saying this is my favorite game to stack, but we've had situations like this where there's a top team against a really shitty team and they're like 16 point, 17 point favorites. And they go and score 40 points and win, you know, 44 to seven or something like that. And you just didn't get anything from the other side. So there are certainly games this week. Like if I'm making some Patriot stacks with Mac Jones and one of his pass catchers, I'm not going to force back somebody from the Jaguars on the other side. And that's the same thing that I'm going to be doing with, the, the Rams against the Ravens and a couple other games on the slate. Cause all, if you look at the spreads, almost every game this week has a spread of a touchdown or more from teams that we actually generally care about. Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense in those games. You don't need to force a run back. If you're playing uh, against the playing Matthew or sorry, playing um, Josh Allen against the Falcons who are expected to put up what 12, 13 points. I don't think you need to force a run back there. So I think this is a week that you need to definitely pick, Pick and choose your spots where you think you need to have a run back. Probably in the Chiefs-Bengals game, I'm going to force a run back there just because it's probably a game that Patrick Mahomes is not going to put up a ton of points without somebody from the Bengals also putting up a lot of points. But in general, yeah, this is definitely a week where I think there are a lot of spots where you don't really need to force it. So in general, the quarterback position this week, it's pretty flat ownership. There's only one guy on DK projected for double-digit ownership that's Trey Lance. On Fandle, the only player projected for double-digit ownership is Josh Allen, but Trey Lance slightly behind him. Trey Lance is really cheap on Fandle and DraftKings, and the, the rushing upside is apparent. We've only seen him on the field a limited amount this year, but the last time he started, he rushed the ball 16 times. I actually do really like running naked Trey Lance lineups this week. And it's, it's super weird because Debo Samuel is obviously a really talented pass catcher, but they use him in the run game a lot. George Kittle also has obviously been crazy good in the second half of the season as a tight end, one of the better fantasy options. But how do you view Trey Lance for this slate? And are you willing to run him naked? I know that we've talked during the year about trying to balance using the top stacks to versus the boom bust tool for quarterbacks. Yeah, I think this is a spot where, so I've been saying every week, I've been getting, I've been focusing on the top stacks tool more and more in general. I think this is a spot where I am going to get away from that a little bit. I'm just going to play some Trey Lance at 4,800 against the Texans. It's just such a great spot. And, you know, he, he can run on the Texans for sure. I expect him to. He's 4,800. It sucks to not have that correlation with his pass catcher, which is why you like to do stacks. So if you're not stacking him, um, you know, that's, it's a bummer to lose that spot, but he's also just such a great spot that I think it makes sense to play Trey Lance. And, and there are a lot of, there are a lot of pay up options that you kind of like this week too. So it's nice to have that cheap quarterback who could, I think he probably has 30 fantasy point upside. I think he could do it in this game. So uh, yeah, he's project for 8.5% ownership. That's just not as high as it should be for Trey Lance at 4,800 against the Texans only top stack 2.8% uh, of the time, but you know, that's still, it's not nothing. You can, you can pair him with a, can do uh, skinny stacks with Trey Lance. You can also run him naked, which I think I'll be doing a fair amount of the time. He is optimal 12.1% of the time. So uh, positive, pretty, pretty major positive leverage in the boom bust tool. So yeah, I'll be playing Trey Lance above that, probably above 12%, I think. And I'll, I'll do some with skinny stacks and I'll do some just running them out there naked. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to get away from the stacks uh, just in that one spot this week. Do you think you're going to be running Trey Lance out there naked this week? Yeah, for sure. And I'm actually trying to look up. Somebody had just said in chat 
that Carson Wentz is now going to play this week. Is that correct? Oh. Let's see. Carson Wentz. Uh, yeah, looks like Carson Wentz is starting. Just a tweet right here from Jonathan Jones, reporter for CBS Sports. Uh, and this is from 30 seconds ago. Colts have activated Carson Wentz off the reserve slash COVID-19 list. The expectation is that he will start tomorrow versus the Raiders. So uh, just kind of quick reactions is we don't get very often breaking news on the show. It's football. It's not like basketball. We do live for lock. It just, you know, constantly changes. Do you just have any initial reactions from a fit, from a DFS standpoint with Carson Wentz starting now tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Carson Wentz is going to look amazing anyway. I was I was looking at this game pretty closely earlier. I was thinking that this is a game that I have some interest in. It doesn't look amazing in the tools, but it wouldn't really surprise me if this game does uh blow up a little bit just because these are two teams that have pretty good offenses uh they both kind of need wins um yeah i I have a little bit of interest in carson wentz Um, i was thinking more that i would probably play the raiders and then i but the colts defense is so good i don't know it's not it's not a spot that i'm really going to focus on too much but i'll probably get some shares of both carson wentz and Derek carr i think do you think you're going to play any either of these quarterbacks no, so obviously I did not think I just assumed that we were going to not have Carson Wentz playing a quarterback this week. And I thought yeah. it was going to be, you know, Sam Ellinger playing QB. He's cheap enough at 5,700. Um, I do, I do wonder though, and this is now kind of something that's going to cross over to running back. And I don't want to get too far ahead, but is this going to impact how you view? Like, I, I just view Carson Wentz as he's not a priority for me. He's 5,700 on DK, on FanDuel, he's 7,000. I don't know, maybe I'll get like 1% to 2% of Carson Wentz, nothing really significant. How do you think this is going to impact Jonathan Taylor, though? I know a lot of people said like, oh, Carson Wentz is going to play, Jonathan Taylor is going to touch the ball a million times. And I was thinking, I don't know if it helps Jonathan Taylor because the Colts offense is probably just going to be worse and teams could sell out to stop the run if they know there's no Carson Wentz at quarterback. I think this is an upgrade for Jonathan Taylor, and I'm not sure people are going to generally view it that way. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. I feel like when a player is already the best at his position in the game, you don't want to add variables to that. So I don't think it helps him when he loses his quarterback. I think for sure it's an upgrade for Jonathan Taylor having Carson Wentz there. Um, So yeah, I'm definitely on the same page as you. It makes me a little bit more interested in Taylor just because they'll be able to move the ball or they should be able to move the ball a little bit more with Carson Wentz. Um, So yeah, that's definitely an upgrade for Taylor for me. And obviously Michael Pittman, I think, looks a little bit better as well. So even if you're not stacking um, with Carson Wentz, I think his pass catchers get a little boost as well. Yeah, and just for people in the chat who are saying that uh, that Carson Wentz wasn't expected to play, yeah, that was as of like 15 minutes ago now, though this is a totally different situation. I'm, I'm looking for the tweet that I read off before about Carson Wentz and – then I could post that in the in the chat. But at least from that beat reporter that I was reading off before, it was Jonathan Jones. His handle is at JJ Jones nine. And he's saying that the expectation is that Wentz is going to start today. So obviously I don't have any better information than him. And I'm on a show when the news came out. So my I saw Adam Schefter tweeted as well or somebody. I, th- I think he said that he was activated. I didn't see that. Oh, did. and I posted it in the chat. I-, I-, I think this is the only guy who said that he's expected to start tomorrow. Okay. So there it is. I just threw that. I just threw that tweet in the in the YouTube chat so people could see. But anyway, yeah, it looks like Carson Wentz is going to be activated, and then I think that'll lead to some more interesting discussion about Jonathan Taylor. When we get to running backs next. Uh, other quarterbacks, I have one super contrarian option, 
that I want to get some exposure to that I do not think, well, actually, I'm fairly certain no be in the field is going to be on, and that's Sam Darnold. So Sam Darnold is, is very cheap. He's projected for no ownership. I think he's a very good pivot off of Trey Lance. Sam Darnold, if you remember earlier in the year, he had rushing upside. He was a, a stud for fantasy the opening weeks of the season. First week of the season, uh, 20 DraftKings points. Week two, 23. Week three, 28. Week four, he had 36 and a half DraftKings points. He was running the ball a bunch. He was also scoring touchdowns on the ground. He had five rushing touchdowns in the first four weeks of the season. So I think people are just going to write off everything Sam Donald's done so far this year because he's sucked over the last, you know, majority of the season. But I look at those first four weeks of the year and I say like, hey, if I could get this guy 0.2% ownership, I kind of think that's intriguing. Not to the point where I'm going to play him in 10% of my lineups or anything, but Sam Donald is going to be in my player pool. I'm, I'm sure you weren't expecting him to say that, but do you have any opinion on him? I was not expecting to say that. I did not write anything down about Sam Darnold, but I like it. I really like that idea. Um, you're right. He, he showed some upside early in the year. He's 5,000. Nobody, we have literally 0.1% projected ownership, but he's got a 1.7% off the line of probability. DJ Moore already looks great in the boom bust tool. So I think it makes a lot of sense too. If you're playing DJ Moore, throw Sam Darnold out there. So you, you mentioned his rushing upside and how many rushing touchdowns he has. Do you think you would run Sam Darnold out there naked? Uh, probably not just because I like DJ Moore as an option this week. So it's easy to find the stack option. I get to him. If you just run lineups with our projections, you're going to get to a chunk of DJ Moore because we project him fairly highly. We've projected him highly a lot this year. So DJ Moore is one of my favorite individual wide receiver plays on the slate, particularly on DK at 5,600. So if I'm already going to like DJ Moore, like DJ Moore, somebody I'm going to be playing 15% of lineups or so, regardless, I might as well have him in some Sam Darnold lineups as well. Yeah, I like it. It's a good call. Uh, anything else from a contrarian option that you like at, at QB? Yeah, we mentioned Tyler Huntley, I think, at 5,600. He might be an option. Um, sort of surprised to see Joe Burrow not getting any expected ownership. We're only projected Burrow for 2.6% ownership, but 4.5% top stack probability. Um, obviously, that game has as good a chance as any to totally blow up. So I kind of like Joe Burrow this week. Um I'll play some Dak against the Cardinals. I think that's uh, an interesting matchup. Probably more Dak than Kyler Murray, although they, they both they both look fine. Kyler Murray's only projected for 3.2% ownership, so I'll probably get to some of both of them. Um, yeah. Russell Wilson. So I guess I guess Russell Wilson is the one spot that I've been going back and forth. Do I really want to play Russell? I swore <laughs> off Russell Wilson. I keep getting suckered into playing Russell Wilson. One of these weeks, his hand's going to be feeling better. He's going to be Russell Wilson of old. I'm going to get back to it this week. I think I'm, I think that's the way I'm landing is I'm going to be playing Russell Wilson against the Lions just because he's down to 6,200. Lockett and Metcalf both look really good this week and they're playing the Lions. So it's hard for me to not just try to hope that he, he plays a little bit better, gets a little bit closer to what he was. And it's just a get right spot against the Lions at such a cheap price tag. I think Russell Wilson is probably the spot where I will be the most over the field if he stays at 2.8% ownership. Do you think you can get back there or you have you sworn off him forever? No, it's, it's really hard, especially because football, we only see it was 60 now, 17 games a year. So it's hard to know when somebody's washed. I have a suspicion. There's a decent chance that, that Russell Wilson's washed. We just haven't seen enough sample size to know for sure. Like I can't see four games from Russell Wilson just definitively say, oh, this guy's no good anymore. I was having this debate about uh, on the last couple of shows. Part of it is me trolling because it gets people upset, but I also believe it at the same time too. Like Rajon Rondo is terrible now. 
but we also get to see him play 82 NBA games a season. So we know that he's not good anymore. It's hard to know based on four games of Russell Wilson. Is he totally finished? There's certainly some signs that he's finished at at the very least. Pete Carroll's finished as a head coach. That seems to be very clear to me, but yeah, I think given the matchup and what the price points are, it's, it's not an awful contrarian play, but I've been fairly high on Russell Wilson a couple of weeks uh, with him being a contrarian option last week, and it just has not gone well. They haven't thrown the ball enough when they have thrown the ball. It hasn't gone well. So I'm, I'm still going to get some exposure to him, but it's guarded. I'm not going to be at like 10% Russell Wilson like I have on some other slates. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's it's the matchup with the Lions. I think it's just the reason that I'm getting sucker back into it. I'm just, I love picking on the Lions. So I think I'm, I'll be getting back there probably more than you will. Uh, have you shown any, Have you shown your shirt on air yet today? Because I just tweeted about it. Oh, did you? Because I, I was yeah. searching for uh, Lamar Jackson. And he had just retweeted a big cartoon thing like collage like that. So I tweeted that that is uh, the was... shirt that you're wearing today is the same one that uh, Lamar Jackson was just talking about. Now it's got all my favorite shows when I was a kid. We've got uh, Rugrats, Rocco's Modern Life, The Wild Thornberries. Those were those were the glory years when it's funny when you're a kid, too, because you want to grow up because because you're like, oh, when I'm getting when I'm older, I can eat all the candy I want. Then you get older and candy doesn't taste good anymore and it's now i have bills to pay like that was a good deal when we were when we were kids but that aside we do have a super chat here from scarecrow six said does it make sense to run back with cheaper options with brady allen type stack versus running back with expensive plays from new york jets atlanta or completely avoid all right one sec let me break this down because i'm not sure i understood the question on my first run through does it make sense to run back with cheaper options with brady allen type stack Versus running back with expensive. I mean, I don't love the. I don't love players from the Jets or Atlanta today. For, for this weekend in, in general, like Michael Carter is a good play, but I'm not dying in general to play. Like, like Kyle Pitts is a viable option to me. Michael Carter is. I'm not. I'm not trying to jam in wide receivers from the Jets or the Falcons. Yeah. So yeah, I, if I'm understanding the question correctly, does it make sense because they're so expensive? Are you asking? Because these guys are the stacks are so expensive, does it make sense to run it back with cheaper options so that you can get other expensive players into your lineup? Is that what the question is? Uh, Scarecrow, can you do us a favor and reiterate the question? You don't don't you don't have to leave another super chat. Just post in the chat. And uh, so I, I think Brady and Allen are both in play for me this week. Yeah, but I don't think that means that I'm trying to get guys from the Jets Falcons. Yeah, like specifically in those lineups. And also there's there's a big there's a big slate this week, right? There's there's 14 there's 14 games. And I guess what he's asking is, just, do we want to force runbacks from the Jets? No. Uh, so I was talking about this before about forcing runbacks and some of these games. I used to always force runbacks and I've been doing it less so this year. The reason being Jets, Jets, Buccaneers, the, the Bucks are favored by 14 points. And the, the Jets, in a game with a fairly low total, 45 and a half points. So the Jets are not expected to score very many points just if you look at the odds. And then same thing, if you go to the Bills versus the Falcons, we've got the Falcons 14-point underdogs also in a game, fairly low, 44 points. So both the Jets and the, and the Falcons are expected to score under 20 fantasy points. So if you're building lineups in fantasy, I think I'm starting to comprehend now. If you're building lineups in fantasy cruncher, I would recommend making groups where you bump players on the Jets in lineups with Tom Brady. Make a group in Fantasy Crunch where you boost players from the Falcons with Josh Allen, but don't make a rule where you have to have a player from the Falcons in every lineup with Josh Allen. I think that's what understand. I think that's the the best way to answer that question. 
Yep, I agree with that too. I'm, I'm just gonna be doing groups. And the thing is, especially with the Brady stacks, so you and I both, I think, like Michael Carter this week. I feel like if we do force the run back without doing any kind of boost or anything, we're just going to get the same lineups, <laughs> right? We're just going to get the same Brady and Brown, Gronk, and then Michael Carter run back. So I think it makes sense to kind of get away from it a little bit just so that we're not forced to be playing the same lineups. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is if you – I'm kind of – I actually might just open a fantasy crunch and do this. I would bet that if I make uh, 20 Tampa Bay lineups, 30 Tampa Bay lineups, lock in Tom Brady, make it so that he has to have uh, two of his pass catchers, one run back option, it's going to end up with 100% Michael Carter. That's yeah. the most likely what's going to happen in those lineups. I don't want to play 100% Michael Carter in all my Tom Brady lineups because uh, they could probably ruin a lot of those lineups if Tom Brady goes out and the Buccaneers just smash and steamroll the Jets. So I'm not going to be forcing run back options with, with those quarterbacks. The teams that... I would not want to force a run back options with Buccaneers stacks against the Jets. I don't think you need to have Jets players. Um, Trey Lance, if you're playing Trey Lance naked, I don't think you need a player from the Houston Texans on the other side. If I'm playing the the Seattle Seahawks this week, some contrarian stacks, I don't need Lions players coming back from the other side. If Tyler Huntley's a quarterback, I don't need one of his pass catchers against the Rams. Uh, and then and then the Bills Falcons. I think those are the ones that I wouldn't be forcing. Uh, oh, also uh, Mac Jones against the Jaguars. If I'm trying to make some Patriots stacks, I, I don't need to have Jaguars players. Is there any other team you would be adding to that mix? No, I think those are generally the teams. Uh, what about Sam Darnold? Do you think you would force a run back there? I mean, Kamara is a pretty easy run back, but I think he'll be doing a run back there. I think those lineups are going to be contrarian enough that I don't need to squeeze all the upside possible out of them. If I get, you know, Darnold, DJ Moore, and then, you know, just spend, you can kind of spend up for whoever else you want outside of that spot. Like if you go Darnold, DJ Moore, I was building, I was hand building some lineups for fun early. It's viable to make uh, lineups with Darnold, DJ Moore, and then Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup, and it's just because they are so cheap as an option. So I, I wouldn't be forcing it with the Saints either. That team's a mess, and a lot of their games end up being pretty crappy for fantasy as of late. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, you mentioned Stafford, right? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's all. I think that's right. All right, so we can move on to the running back position now. And running backs this week, it's nobody stands out as one, any one individual guy where it's like, oh, my God, this backup running back is 4,800 and he's going to get 30 touches this week or anything like that. Like, Sony Michelle has been that guy in previous weeks, but he's a little more expensive now. I do view Sony Michelle as the best overall running back play on the slate. He rates out really well in our boom bust tool. Ridiculous workload last week. We saw Sony Michelle 27 carries for 131 yards. Not that that workload individually is replicable, but do you expect something similar, at least in terms of we're going to see a lot of Sony Michelle this weekend? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's their RB one. They don't even have Daryl Henderson anymore, so I would definitely expect Sony Michelle to have a huge workload. I'm not going to try to predict what that workload is, but yeah, he's going to be if they're rushing the ball. I think he's going to be getting the bulk of it for sure. And there's a lot of guys that I view in the mid range as being really strong options this week. Uh, Michael Carter, we talked about him briefly. He is still one of them. Sony Michelle's another. David Montgomery. Eli Mitchell, I really think there's a sweet spot for this week on DK, like five to 60, uh, 5,600, a whole bunch of guys that I like around there. Do you think that's going to be a price range where you're building a lot of your lineups around at running back? 
Yeah, I mean, that's where all of the really great running backs look this week. I don't know if we have word on James Conner, whether he's in or out yet, but um, that would affect my head, probably get to some Chase Edmonds if James Conner's out. We did get word that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is out, so now Daryl Williams is going to look good. Yeah, it just looks like that range of running backs is really strong this week, and no in particular running back there is far and away the best. I mean, I think I think Sony Michelle, I agree with you, is probably the best in the group. But now with Daryl Williams becoming really the the RB1, I mean, maybe I guess Derek Gore could get more run too, but I, I would definitely expect Daryl Williams to get the bulk of the work there in a high scoring game. So I think Daryl Williams will look really good for sure. I think I'm going to get into a ton of those guys. And I'm not really thinking that any of them are going to get too much steam where they're going to get, you know, to 40% owned and you can't play them. So I do think I, I agree with you. The bulk of my exposure to running back is all going to be kind of in that range. And there is one cheaper guy that I'm curious to get your take on just because he rates out pretty well in the boom bust tool. He's really cheap on DraftKings, And that is Jared Patterson. We know the situation for Washington at running back. It's Far from ideal, a bunch of guys out, Antonio Gibson on the COVID list, J.D. McKissick hurt. How do you look at somebody like Jared Patterson, who we have no sample size on? It's just the expectation of, hey, Washington's out of running backs. He appears to be the next guy up. He got nine carries last week. You and I have both been burnt by some of these situations with crappy running backs like the Detroit Lions, where all of a sudden it's like, hey, we've got some guy that we've never heard of who's going to take a bunch of of the snaps of running back as opposed to, he was like Jamar Jefferson. We both played one week and then he ended up being totally uninvolved. How are you going to be handling Jared Patterson? Who's cheap on both FanDuel and DraftKings, but there's like no data for us to go off of. I mean, it, it really, it'll be an ownership play. If the ownership gets steamed and he gets up to 10% ownership, I'm probably going to shy away a little bit. Currently we have Jared Patterson project for 3.9% ownership. And at that level, I think I'm going to want to be well over the field. Most likely we currently have him in the optimal lineup 12.3% of the time. Obviously, there are a lot of moving parts. Now, Daryl Williams comes into play as a great option. So who knows if that will hold. But currently, we have him only project for 3.9% ownership, 12.3% optimal. If it holds like that, I'm going to really like Jarrett Patterson tomorrow. I think that he has a talented running back. He's shown some things. He's shown that he's pretty good. He's only 4,800. Yeah, he's the RB1. Um, if he's not getting a ton of ownership, I'm going to take my shots there. I'm even going to take some shots on Jonathan Williams, I think, just as the receiving back, uh, especially on DraftKings at 4,600. He doesn't look as great in the tools, uh, but only project for 1.1% ownership. He's optimal 0.8% of the time. So basically a neutral, slightly negative play. But I think I'll probably take some shots there just because he's so low owned. And presumably if Jared Patterson got hurt, Jonathan Williams would be the next man up. And if he doesn't, Jonathan Williams should still have opportunities as the receiving back. So I think I'll take some shots there, but yeah, I think for both of them, it's just really an ownership play for me. How do you think you're going to play it? Yeah. So, I mean, the initial build I did, I was getting to, what was it like 12% of Patterson on DK and then a little bit more of that on FanDuel. He's cheap on both sites, 5% projected ownership on FanDuel, three on DK. I think I stand the same as you on this situation where nobody really seems to want to do, want anything to do with Washington. Somebody's going to get touches for them out of the backfield. Maybe it's a timeshare and nobody produces value, but I think there's enough upside there at low ownership and a cheap price point that I'm willing to take shots on it. Uh, one other thing I, I think is pretty important to ask you, and then I'll open up the floor for you to talk about whatever running backs you want, is all the best value does appear to be in the mid-range and some on the cheaper side as well. But what are you going to be doing with somebody like Jonathan Taylor on the slate? Because what I do think becomes a pretty important talking point is Jonathan Taylor versus Cooper Cup. If you could only spend up for one of them this week, who would it be? 
if I could only spend up for one of them, I think it would be Cooper Cup. He's just been more consistent. I trust the volume there. As you said, the narrative is there for Cooper Cup. And, you know, a lot of narratives we don't pay a lot of attention to. But I do think um, that in this case, because they can control it, I think it makes sense they're going to be forcing him the ball. They could be just they're going to rug us. They might be saying all this and then it's just a way to divert attention. I don't really think that's the case. So I think it's more likely that they are going to try to get Cooper Cup the ball and they should be able to. So I think. Of the two of them, I would prefer Cooper Cup, even with Taylor getting what we think is a boost with Wentz coming back. Do you have a preference between the two? Cooper Cup for me, and the reason it's Cooper Cup, it's well, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, answer this uh, a little bit differently than I was just going to. It is Cooper Cup on DraftKings. It's Jonathan Taylor on Fanduel, and it's the reason it's Cooper Cup on DK is the PPR bonus, and also there's so much value I like at the running back position that it just kind of makes more sense for me to spend up at wide receiver. Whereas over on FanDuel, where Cooper Cup is priced over 10000 it's just such a steep price tag that I don't think it's totally necessary. DraftKings, I think there's a pretty good chance that Cooper Cup is necessary. But what kind of production does he need at 10200 on FanDuel to be absolutely needed in GPPs? Like 150 yards, two touchdowns? Because realistically... He could have 110 yards in a touchdown and not be optimal, 10,200 on FanDuel. It's a really steep price point. So I'm going to say Jonathan Taylor on FanDuel and Cooper Cup on DraftKings. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And even with the like 100-yard bonuses and stuff that you get on DraftKings, I guess Jonathan Taylor is probably as likely as Cooper Cup is. They're both like 90% likely to get there. No, not really. But yeah, I think uh, I think Cooper Cup makes a lot more sense on DraftKings. And I think that probably makes sense that Jonathan Taylor does look better on FanDuel. I'm with you. And, and then also just uh, getting back to some of these running backs in the mid-range, there's a lot of them to like. If you go to our boom bust and look at the most positively leveraged players, it's Sony Michelle, Michael Carter, Patterson, Montgomery, Eli Mitchell, Ramondra Stevenson, Saquon Barkley. I've pretty much given up on Barkley at this point. The Giants offense sucks. Barkley's been terrible. He averages. You know what's crazy about Barkley is a lot of people say, well, how can anybody run behind the Giants offensive line? Well, Barkley averages three and a half yards per carry. Devontae Booker is on the same team. He's averaging four and a half yards per carry. So it's not like it's impossible to run behind the line. They've got another running back who's doing it just fine, but... Uh, Barkley still is a big name. I saw some people mentioning him in the chat. He is not going to be picking a much ownership this week. We right now have him at 3% on DraftKings. On FanDuel, he's projected for 5%. Positive leverage on both sites. He's cheaper than what he normally is. I haven't really been playing this guy much for the last, I don't know, couple months. I kind of gave up on him. There's been some slates where you've gone to Barkley. Are you still going to be riding him this week? Yeah, I think I will. He hasn't really, hasn't been going great for me riding him this whole season, but uh, 6,000 against the bears only protected. We are protected for 3.4% ownership, 6.6% optimal. Yeah. It's uh, it's wearing, wearing me out a little bit playing Barkley every week, but this price tag bears have a pretty mediocre to bad run defense. I think I'm going to go back to Barkley at least a little bit over, over that 3.4% projected ownership, probably over that 6.6% optimal lineup probability. Um, I think I'll, I think I'll get there just because the field isn't and, yeah, even even though he hasn't, we've seen him in the past. He's been explosive. Do you think he's lost his explosiveness? Because I feel like it's still latent somewhere there. He can still uh, beat beat somebody in a foot race, but uh, he just hadn't shown it. So it's not something that I love, but I think that I'm going to be going over the field for sure on Saquon. It's hard to say. I will, so my dad is maybe one of the bigger Giants fans in the world. So we're like, it doesn't matter what the score of the game is. If the Giants are down 30 to nothing in the fourth quarter, there's something he'll text me. It'll be like, they're going to come back this game. Be like, okay, dad, w- whatever. 
he stopped watching Giants games for the first time I ever remember. He's like, this team sucks. There's no redeeming qualities. To bring that back to Saquon Barkley, he does look a little bit, he might not even be healthy right now. Maybe that's part of the issue. Maybe he'll never be healthy again. He's had so many injuries in a short amount of time he's been in the NFL. And you look at him and say like, okay, he turns, well, he turns 25 in a, in a few weeks. That's fairly old for running back at this point in time in the NFL. Four years of service time, a torn ACL. That's a lot of wear and tear on a running back. Also, he had a pretty big workload in college. He might just not have it anymore. Uh, I look at the price point. I'm whatever. If you want to play 3% of Saquon Barkley, it feels that I don't have a big issue with it. He's not going to be somebody um, that I'm well over the field on, despite our tools liking him, though. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't know what I'm, I think I'm going to be probably over the field. I don't know that I'm going to be well over the field. I'm trying to find what they're even projected. Their, their point total is their implied 15.25 is a giant implied <laughs> team total. So yeah, it's not, not a spot you really want to go overboard trying to trying to catch the 15.25 all coming from Saquon Barkley. Um, but just because he's cheap enough against that bears defense, I think I'll take some shots and hope that they actually score above that. The giants are touchdown underdogs in the game with a 36 and a half point total. Yeah, that is so absolutely bad. disgusting. Absolutely yeah. disgusting. And not, the Giants also just had the most uncreative offenses for years. Now, they just don't do anything or move the ball. It's, it, it sucks. They're the worst team in the NFL from a, from a viewer standpoint. Uh, other running backs that we haven't talked about, who are some of the priorities for you? Uh, well, that we have not talked about. Let's see. Let's see if I can remember who we haven't talked about. Um, <laughs> David, did we talk about David Montgomery? Because he looks good in the tools uh, going against the Giants. Pretty bad defense. Um, we didn't really talk about him in depth, but the, the running backs that I have the most exposure to in my current build, it's Sony Michelle and David Montgomery. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. David Montgomery looks really good. 6,500 optimal lineup, 25.7% of the time. That's really solid at only 19% or not only 19% ownership, but it's positive leverage. I like David Montgomery there against the giants. Um, I'll say Ronald Jones looks pretty bad in the tools. Um, so I think, and I think I'm going to follow them. I'll be under the 15.5 projected ownership for Ronald Jones, even though I love taking advantage of spots like this, where it's like, they should just be able to run all over the jets. Uh, but he's just, he's not that great. Maybe I'll take some shots on Keyshawn Vaughn. I don't, I'm not going to take a ton of shots on Keyshawn Vaughn, but he's 5,200. They say they want to keep getting him involved. So I think there are worse spots uh, than playing against the Jets in a game that they should be crushing them. Um, DJ Dallas looks okay. So we've got Rashad Penny. I think Rashad Penny is uh, in as a starting running back. And then DJ Dallas is presumably number two, but they both look okay in the tools. Um, again, as I said earlier, I like picking on the Lions. So in the lineups where I uh, am not playing the Russell Wilson stacks, I might play some of Rashad Penny and or DJ Dallas just because they're going to get no ownership. And DJ Dallas, I mean, 0.6% projected ownership, optimal lineup 2.9% of the time. So that's pretty good positive leverage there. I think I'll take some shots there. Yeah, we, we talked about uh, Saquon. We talked about Eli Mitchell. Both look really good. Sony Michelle looks good. Uh, Daryl Williams, as I mentioned, is going to look better. That He doesn't look great right now in the tools, but with Clyde Edwards-Alaire being ruled out, I think Daryl Williams will take a big jump and I'll probably have some interest there. Um, gonna have to see how the Arizona running back situation, uh, goes down closer to lock. If, if James Conner is out, I think Chase Edmonds will look pretty good. Um, DeAndre Swift, I think I'm going to take some shots there. Just hope that he is, uh, feeling good this week. He project for 10.3% ownership, optimal 12.2% of the time against the Seahawks defense. I think he looks pretty good. Um, do you want to respond to any of those before I go lower? 
uh, I, I, I'm going to add somebody to the mix okay. before you go before you go lower. And I do think DeAndre Swift is a pretty good GPP play. Also, something that's interesting: there isn't that much heavy chalk this week. We don't have a single running back project for more than twenty percent ownership on DraftKings this week. Over on Fanduel, the only running back project for more than twenty percent ownership last I checked was Jonathan Taylor. But still, a lot of those running backs that are projected for double-digit ownership. Our tools show they all warrant more exposure. David Montgomery, massively positive leverage. Sony Michelle, massively positive leverage. Michael Carter, massive positive leverage. Even DeAndre Swift, who has a lot of risks he brings to the table, he's positively leveraged. The only guys that are negatively leveraged, I won't even call Jonathan Taylor negatively leveraged. He's just showing up as about appropriately owned. I'm very concerned about Ronald Jones. You talked about him before, and... There's obvious upside in this matchup, but I just don't know for sure that he's going to be the guy over Keyshawn Vaughn this week. And I remember last week, because I did have a good amount of exposure to Ronald Jones last week, is I'm looking up, I see a long rushing touchdown for the for the Buccaneers. I go, oh, look, there's all my fantasy points for Ronald Jones. And then it's like where where it took me, it took a second for me to register that it was Keyshawn Vaughn who ran for that touchdown, just because you look at how the Buccaneers have ran their offense this year when it was Leonard Fournette as the guy. Fournette was basically getting all the touches. Like there wasn't a game where Leonard Fournette was popular and it turned into a Ronald Jones slate. It could be a Keyshawn Vaughn slate. I don't know for sure that Ronald Jones is going to be that guy. And I do think the running back split is going to look different with Leonard Fournette out. So Ronald Jones, I, I do agree with you. He looks like he's one of the more overowned players on the slate today. Now to show up is actually a timeshare running back and not, not Ronald Jones turning into the Leonard Fournette role. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely on the same page there. They haven't, they've never shown that they really want to feature Ronald Jones. They don't trust Ronald Jones. I wish that Keyshawn Vaughn was a little bit cheaper. I would love him if he was 4,400 or something, but even at 5,200, yeah, we're on the same page. You can play some Keyshawn Vaughn instead. We do have a super chat here from Greg Smith, and then I'll let you talk about your bottom of the barrel running back plays, Neil. But uh, super chat from Greg Smith. Hey guys, FanDuel single entry for a field of 700. So pretty small field tournament here. Would you go... Uh, who would you go with as your stack and what running backs do you like besides Montgomery, Penny, Michelle? Uh, would you include Taylor or Cup in that lineup? So this is for FanDuel. So yep. let's see, who are some of the top running back plays right now on FanDuel? For a 700 uh, player field, you don't have to go that crazy. Montgomery to me would definitely be a yes, as would Sony Michelle. I think those are the two best running back plays over on FanDuel right now. Depending on what your stack is, I really don't mind getting to Michael Carter, even a smaller field. Uh, I think that Michael Carter this week, and I saw some people ask questions about him in the YouTube chat. And actually, this was a follow up also from Greg Smith. He said, Why are you guys big on Carter? Uh, he's a pretty dynamic running back for the Jets. If you look at his efficiency numbers this year, they've been pretty strong. Uh, you do get a little bit concerned with is do they just give the ball to Tevin Coleman extra times or, or something like that? Because we've seen that at, at points this year. But to me, I think Michael Carter, at least for the near future, is going to be a workhorse back for the Jets. And he's capable of doing a little bit of everything. He could run the football fairly well, even behind a crappy offensive line. He's shown that he's capable of, cat, of, of, uh, of catching passes. That he's low-owned and he's cheap. So uh, to me, that's, that's why I like Michael Carter. But those are probably my three favorite running backs on FanDuel, Michael Carter, uh, Montgomery, and Sony Michelle. Yep, I, I like that call as well. Yeah, Michael Carter looks good. And then as far as the stack goes, I think you could, if you're playing Michael Carter, it would make sense to play the Tom Brady stack with Gronk and Antonio Brown. I think in a field that size, you don't get, need to get too crazy. And that's uh, one of our best stacks. Currently the top the top projected stack, optimal 14.4% of the time on FanDuel. 
and Tom Brady only projects for 8.4% ownership. So I think that Tom Brady looks really great. Uh, do, do a buck stack and then run it back with Michael Carter, I think probably makes a lot of sense. Yep, I dig it. I think that's going to be a pretty common build for me on FanDuel this week. I like getting to the box. And then, like we said before, I'm not going to be forcing runbacks from the Jets, but in lineups that I do have a runback, Michael Carter's probably going to be the most rostered one. Uh, so bottom of the barrel, Neil, tell me which running backs are low-owned that you're going to try to sell me on playing this week, and then I will uh, probably not end up playing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, so just b- before I go too cheap, I didn't mention Javante Williams. It's hard not to sort of like any running back against the Chargers. Uh, I think I'd be more likely to get to Javante Williams than Melvin Gordon. I think Melvin Gordon is playing this week. I didn't even look at him. Uh, I should look at what his actual ownership is and his uh, salary because he is somebody, uh, I didn't even write him down, but Melvin Gordon could actually be interesting just because nobody wants to play Melvin Gordon. Everybody is so ready for Javante Williams to take over that Melvin Gordon gets no ownership and he has the same great matchup and has sometimes gotten a ton of opportunities. Yeah, he's so he's projected for 0.6. He's actually negative leverage. 0.6% ownership, (laughs) 0.1% optimal. Yeah, so I guess maybe Melvin Gordon is not the place to go this week. Javante Williams looks okay. Um, but then going down cheaper, I already mentioned DJ Dallas looks okay. Uh, Reminder Stevenson against the Jaguars, just a great matchup. He's 5,300, um, and he should get some opportunities. Only project for 1.2% ownership. He's optimal 4.9% of the time. Uh, Deontay Foreman, 1.2% projected ownership, 3.1% optimal against the Dolphins. He's 5,300. He looks fine. Dari Agumbawale again. Uh, now it actually finally makes sense to play him. I was playing him well before it made sense to play him. Pretty hipster of me, I guess. Uh, he looks okay against the Patriots for 5,100. Um, I already mentioned Jonathan Williams as somebody that the field's just not going to get to. I have some interest in. Yeah, there, there's no real bottom of the barrel plays that I think are like great smash plays this week, but I think all those guys make some sense in certain lineups. Do you think you'll play any of those guys? Not really. I mean, because also... I- there's no running back, like I said before, that are that's picking up a ton of exposure. So we've got these running backs that are only you know 10% owned with 20-ish percent chance to be optimal. Now I'm pretty comfortable getting a lot of exposure to those guys and then just kind of having some of my other running backs just being players that fit into stacks or correlations with wide receivers and other lineups. So I don't know that there's anybody like I, I'm, I'm not gonna be playing Melvin Gordon this week. I understand wanting to get to Williams, but it seems like the Broncos are just going to continue to give Melvin Gordon some of the workload, even though we're getting down the stretch of the season. It seems like it would make more sense to play Williams for the future. Not what it seems like they're going to be doing. So there's enough guys that I like that we pointed out that are, you know, five to 10% on that. I don't think I need to go to the guys who are like one or 2%. Yeah, I think that makes sense. You can, you can really get away with just mixing and matching all of those mid-level guys who have positive leverage and are only projected for around 10% ownership. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm probably not going to be going overboard with any of the really cheap options that are low probability this week, but I'll, I'll sprinkle them in here and there, but yeah, not going to get to a ton of them. Heading to the wide receiver position, but first shout out to the presenting sponsor of the show, Prize Picks. If you guys are not familiar with prizepicks.com, really fun way to play player props and mix it in with DFS because over on Prize Picks, they have fantasy point over-unders, they've got props over-unders, and for everything. I mean, we're not just talking about football, basketball, baseball. Like, there's sometimes I go on Prize Picks, like, oh, look, they have, they have props up for, uh, for disc golf or uh, women's European basketball. And I don't even know how they set numbers for that, but they have everything over on Prize Picks. You combine them together, really fun way to play props over on Prize Picks. Also, if you're signing for the first time, use the promo code AWESOMO, get up to $100 bonus on your first deposit. 
And if you're not sure what to make of some of the over-unders, Odd Chopper is free to use on Osmo.com. You go to Odd Chopper, compare some of our projection numbers to sportsbook prop numbers, and a lot of the lines with prize picks, find yourself some of the best numbers that have the best ROIs to bet over-unders on, over-on prize picks. All right, let's go to the wide receiver position. And I think we should just start by talking about Antonio Brown. He's going to be the most popular wide receiver play on the slate, and for good reason. We've got Antonio Brown projected for even a significant more amount of more ownership than Cooper Cup. We've got Antonio Brown now for 24% ownership, Cooper Cup at 16%. I don't really care, though. I'm still going to be playing a ton of Antonio Brown on FanDuel and DraftKings. Do you see it any differently? No, he looks great in the boom-bust tool. Only projected for 24.2% ownership, but optimal 34.5% of the time. He is our one of our top second most uh, positively leveraged play on the slate. And he just makes a lot of sense. I have less reservations about Antonio Brown than I do DJ Moore, who is our most positively leveraged play on the slate, just because I think they should be able to put up tons of points. And he's 6,100. He's That's too cheap for his current role. So yeah, I'm going to be above the field if the field stays at 24.2% ownership on Antonio Brown, for sure. Uh, it's just they, they should be able to do whatever they want, and they will probably want to give Antonio Brown the ball. So there's really not much more to it. I think he looks great. 15 targets for Antonio Brown last week, 10 for 101. And even when you go back to earlier in the season, when they still when they had a slightly healthy healthier wide receiver court, we're still looking at 13 targets in week six, eight targets in week five, 11 targets in week four. Tom Brady loves throwing the ball to Antonio Brown. I do not expect that to change, especially with Chris Godwin out for the season. Uh, we've talked about DJ Moore a couple of times. They just brought him up. He is very positively leveraged in the tools. I like him as a contrarian stack with Sam Darnold this week. I don't think we have to talk too much more about that. Uh, are there any wide receivers we've not talked about when they were, when, uh, when we were talking about quarterbacks earlier that they think are worth mentioning here? Yeah, so I mean, just looking at the top, Tyreek Hill looks pretty good against the Bengals. I guess we we talked about uh, Mahomes, so you can you can obviously pair Mahomes with Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Project for eight point six percent ownership, twelve point two percent optimal. Um, aside from the obvious, I'm, I'm trying to see if there's anybody less obvious that we haven't talked about. Cole Beasley actually looks really good. Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders kind of surprised me um, how good they look. Uh, all of Stefan Diggs, Beasley, and Sanders are positively leveraged on this slate. Uh, Gabe Davis is not so. Um, you can play actually Cole Beasley is not positively leveraged. He's projected for 11.3% ownership, 9% optimal. So I guess he's not positively leveraged, but looks fine. Um, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Antonio Brown. Uh, Mike Evans looks okay. If he plays, do we, do we have an update on Mike Evans? Do we know for sure if he's going to play? Cause he looks, uh, like he I believe he is expected to is the last I looked. Let me look at his player card to see, uh, see if we have any updates. He's listed, I mean, he's officially listed as questionable, uh, but it seems like reports have indicated that he's trending towards playing officially questionable, though. Okay, yeah, that's that's where, what I was saying. Yeah, he looks okay against, against the Jets again. They might want to throw Mike Evans the ball. I guess that's one one way that Antonio Brown could not get there is if they just throw Evans all the touchdowns. He looks okay. Mike Williams looks really good in the boom-bust tool, projected for 3.2% ownership, but optimal 9% of the time. I wonder if that ownership will come up just because we didn't really know his status, and now that it seems like he's going to play, maybe his ownership comes up a bit. Um, Hunter Renfro looks okay against the Colts project for 6.3% ownership, 8.6% optimal. Uh, I already mentioned that I like the Seahawks. So I'll, I'll be playing both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett look really good in the boom bust tool. I'll be getting to both of them. 
Michael Pittman already looked good, and now we have Carson Wentz playing. I'm guessing that his ownership is going to come up, but so will his optimal lineup probability. We are project for 7% ownership, but 10% optimal. So he looks solid. Um, and then uh, the Patriots receivers, uh, Jacoby Myers in particular, looks really good. Yeah. Uh, just that matchup against the Jaguars. Project for 8% ownership, but optimal 13.1% of the time. They are expected to put up a ton of points in that game. So not, I guess not surprising in that sense, but Jacoby Myers looks really good once again. I think those are those are the main ones that I wanted to hit on. Did you have any other uh, wide receivers you want to talk about? Uh, sneaky amount of targets for Jacoby Myers. I'm getting to him a bunch in the current build I have right now. Last three games, he played in eight targets, 12 targets, eight targets. And I know there's always been this narrative about Jacoby Myers. Well, he doesn't catch touchdowns. He does have one touchdown uh, reception this year. He's also had a couple that have gotten called back to, to penalties. He's also caught, I think, one or two two-point conversions this year, which ultimately, what's the difference between a two-point conversion or a short touchdown path, uh, reception? It's not that much different. So to me, I still, I, I like, I'm not concerned that Jacoby Myers can't catch touchdown pass. I think it's possible. So I do like him uh, as an option this week. Cooper Cup, obviously, if you have the space to pay up for Cooper Cup on DraftKings or FanDuel, you're paying up for him. What, what, what could, what could we say? DK on DraftKings, I'm making more of an effort to try to get to Cooper Cup. I'm not going out of my way to jam him in on FanDuel at 10,200. Uh, and we talked about him a little bit at the top when we we're talking about FanDuel pricing. But 10200 on FanDuel, like, how do you think you're going to be handling Cooper Cup when he's been priced up to be that expensive? Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. I think I'm getting into a lot less of him on FanDuel just because that is so much to pay for somebody in a half-point PPR. I would, I would probably be willing to pay that price on DraftKings, not as much as uh, his current price tag, but I would probably be more willing to pay it on DraftKings. But on FanDuel, that just it's going to require that he scores at least one or two touchdowns. He's not going to get there just by catching three yard passes all game. So yeah, I think, uh, I think it makes sense to play less of him on FanDuel than DraftKings for sure. Uh, we got a super chat here from uh, Michael uh, Lado. He was asking no question there, but I see the question afterwards saying Cooper Taylor as a payoff on DraftKings. The answer is Cooper cup on FanDuel for me. It's Jonathan Taylor. So he didn't specify a site, but those are my choices. And I think Neil agreed he was on the yep. same page before. So it just depends what site you're playing on. Cup on DK, Jonathan Taylor on FanDuel. That is a lot to do with pricing and the PPR bonus. Uh, as for other wide receivers, Hunter Renfro is somebody who a couple of weak games from in a row, but it's not like the targets can't be there for him. We saw games where 14 targets, 10 targets, 9 targets, 9 targets, 9 targets. I still like getting to Hunter Renfro in this spot. Uh, other wide receivers, I want to know what your opinion is on the Bengals, guys. We don't have them projected for that much ownership. I have a feeling that recency bias is going to dictate. We get a little bit more Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase exposure than what some of the ownership projections are. It's so hard to account for some of this stuff, but last week was such an outlier game where Joe Burrow threw for over 500 yards and all those touchdowns. How are you going to be handling the Bengals pass catchers today? Uh, well, this weekend. Yeah, I, I, so I think that I'll probably be close to the field where it is right now. That's that's basically how they look in the tools, in the boom-bust tool. They're all fairly neutral plays. T. Higgins is slightly positively leveraged. But Jamar Chase is 4.7% projected ownership, 4.6% optimal. Tyler Boyd, 3.9% projected ownership, 3.6% optimal. Those are just very neutral plays. And then T. Higgins, slightly positive. Maybe I'll get over the field there. 8.9% projected ownership, 10.8% optimal. It's a tough spot. So the, the Chiefs have gotten a lot better defensively lately, it feels like to me. They've just, early in the year, it felt like you could really pick on the Chiefs defense. Maybe maybe that's still there. Maybe there's a chance. Uh, obviously, there there is a chance for fireworks in this game. It is the highest total on the slate. So I think it does make sense. But I think they'll be getting to more of them in game stacks than 
as one-offs, most likely, I think is the way I'm going to play it. But I'll probably be close to the field on all of them. Do you think you're going to get two different? Uh, I, I have a feeling I'm always going to come up underweight to the field on them just because I think they're going to end up with more ownership than we have them projected right. for right now. It's just okay. one of those things that I think is hard to account for in data. People are just going to be like, I don't want to miss out on Joe Burrow or the Bengals because they were all really low owned last week and they scored a million fantasy points. And it was basically the point last week where it was, you have Bengals stock. Great. That lineup did well. Anything else sucks for, yep. for last week. So I think a lot of people are going to look at that and it's going to inflate the ownership based on that. I'm probably going to end up coming underweight to the field just because I think the numbers here are probably going to be a little bit off. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. When I say I'm going to be probably close to ownership, I mean, close to what we have projected for, but I think you're right. Probably that, especially because it's just the highest total game on the slate and Joe Burrow just went off and it's just a fun game. People are going to want want to watch it. They're going to want to play the players in it. So I think you're right that it's going to go, the ownership is going to go up where uh, over what it is at least projected for right now. A quick bearded Tyler. Is it cool if I go a couple minutes over? We don't have Google Sheets isn't working, so I couldn't check if there's a show on after us. All right. Yeah, he's cool with it. All right. So going to go a couple minutes long here. Anything else that you want to bring up with the wide receiver position? Now we'll move over to tight ends. Yeah, we, we haven't talked that much about the Cowboys versus Cardinals game. I feel like that is one that at least has some potential to shoot out. So they, none of the players looked that amazing in the tools, but I'm going to be playing some of all of C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, uh, and then also Christian Kirk, A.J. Green. Um, and yeah, so I think I'll, I'll be playing some of those guys, but none of them looked that amazing in the tools. I just think it's worth mentioning that that is the kind of game that I think you could game stack it, and there's at least some chance that it just goes off. Uh, yeah, I totally see it the same way as well. Uh, Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott, obviously two of the best quarterbacks in the league, but we have seen them over the last period of time. The Cardinals have struggled a little bit. Some of that was without Kyler Murray, came back from ankle injury, isn't playing quite as well as he did earlier in the season. And we've seen some struggles from Dak Prescott too in the second half of the season. And I think there's certainly a chance that game shoots out. And it wasn't one I was considering super heavy, but now that you bring it up, 52-point total. It is a game that's expected to be pretty competitive, six-point spread. I wouldn't be shocked if that game blows out. It's it's a little hard for me to know which pass catchers I want from the Cardinals when DeAndre Hopkins isn't in the mix anymore. So a little bit more of a lean for me on the Cowboys side, probably Amari Cooper. I have a little more inclination to play than CeeDee Lamb this week. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that game certainly does make some sense for, for game stacks considering the total. That's all I mean, just the high total. And we've seen both of these offenses uh, can can have some fireworks. So wouldn't be that shocking. All right. So let's head on over to the tight end position and just kind of a general question about tight end this week, because there is such spread ownership here. We've currently got Dallas Goddard projected to be the most roster tight end at 11%. It's going to be super spread out at tight end this week. Is that how you think you're going to be approaching your lineups as well? Kind of a spray a little bit? Because you've got Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Gronk. These guys are all really close, all projected for between 7 to 8% ownership. And I'm finding it really hard to differentiate between a lot of these guys as well. Yep, I'm on the same page. I was looking looking at all the tight ends in the boom bust tool, and I was like, man, there are so many tight ends that I want to play based on the boom bust tool. And then there are some that don't look that great in the boom bust tool. And I still like Travis Kelsey is negatively leveraged. George Kittle is negatively leveraged. I'm still going to want to play some of those guys just because they have such high ceilings. I don't want to be, I don't want to be in the same situation as I was last week where I just had no chance because I had 0% Joe Burrow. (laughs) And I think that any one of these top tight ends has that upside where they could put up 35, 40 points and you need to have them. So even though they're negatively leveraged, I still want to play some of 
Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, they all, they're negatively leveraged. They don't look great, but I'm still going to have some of them in my 150 lineups. And then there are the guys that do look good in the tools. I'm going to want to play them, obviously, too. Rob Gronkowski looks really good. He should be getting uh, some targets this week after kind of a letdown last week. Uh, only project for 8.7% ownership. He's optimal 11.6% of the time against the Jets' bad defense. So, yeah, I'm going to want to play some Gronk. Gronkowski. Uh, Kyle Pitts looks okay. Man, I, f- I feel like I've been burned by Kyle Pitts so many times this year. Uh, <laughs> and now he's playing against the Bills, who have kind of a good defense. Maybe I'll play him in some of my Josh Allen stacks as a runback. I don't know. Do you think you're going to be playing any Pitts? Mm, not a significant amount. He'll be in my player. Bowl. It's funny. he made People are complaining, like, Kyle Pitts made the Pro Bowl. He sucks this year because... He was slightly disappointing for his ADP in best ball, and and he let down a lot of weeks for DFS. But his big games were pretty substantial. And then it's who would you play over? Like Titan just kind of sucks in the in the NFC this year. It's George Kittle is really good. Then you got Kyle Pitts. He's been inconsistent. Gronk's been hurt a lot. He's been kind of inconsistent. You talked about he was a letdown last week. Gronk was my most, my most rostered tight end last week. Same one for a lot of players, and he didn't even get targeted until it was either the beginning of the second half or the end of the second quarter. So it was a crappy game for Gronk last week. It's, it's hard to find a lot of good tight ends in the, in the NFC. So I, I, I look at Kyle Pitts and whatever project for 3% ownership with a 4% chance of the optimal I end up with him a handful of lineups, but he's certainly not a priority for me. The priorities at the tight end position, uh, Zach Ertz is going to be one of them. Uh, we were just talking about that game as a potential stack between the Cardinals and the Cowboys. And I'm not sure I love any of the Cardinals wide receivers, but as a pass catcher, I do like Zach Ertz from that game. Uh, I do like going back to Gronk. He was a letdown last game, but still we've seen bigger games from Gronk at times this year. There's no Chris Godwin. It figures that there's going to be more targets filled to him at some point. And also the Buccaneers sucked last week. They're going to have more success this week. I don't think they're going to get shut out again. It was, what was it the first time it's happened in Tom Brady's career? I don't think it's going to happen again. So I like getting back to Gronk this week and Zach Ertz. I think those are my two favorite guys. And then other than that, it's just going to be who kind of fits in with my game stacks and quarterbacks. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, I would add in Dalton Schultz looks great in the tool project for 4.2% ownership, but optimal 9.3% of the time. So I really like him. Uh, You can play three different tight ends in the Broncos chargers game. Noah Fant looks good to project for 3.3% ownership, but optimal 6.8% of the time. Albert Okwebunum looks good at 3,000, projected for 1.2% ownership, but 3.3% optimal. Uh, and Steven Anderson is one of our most positively leveraged plays. 2,500 against the Broncos, both of the top tight ends out. So I guess he's we're expecting him to take over. He's 2,500, projected for 4.1% ownership, but optimal 8.2% of the time. I think all those guys look great. Darren Waller's out again. You can play Foster Moreau, play Tyler Higby against the Ravens uh, in your Rams stacks or as a one-off uh hunter henry obviously touchdown machine they should be they're expected to put up 29 points against the jaguars hunter henry is only 4200 so he makes some sense so yeah it's, it's really a hard slate to really pinpoint specific tight ends that you're going to get way over the field on but uh i think those are the guys that i'm most interested in yeah and i don't think there's anything else at tight end you mentioned steven anderson i actually popped up a lot in the build that i made in fantasy cruncher earlier and that's something i was looking i was like oh well i need to dial that back because i don't want that much of steven anderson at 2500 but if you're punting the position i think that does make sense uh, nothing else really a priority for me at tight end uh defenses anything that really stands out for you at defense you want to talk about this is ones I, I i hate this position always 
Um, I know you do, and I did not <laughs> even look at defenses because we usually skip it. <laughs> yeah, fair um, enough. So let's just let's go to our favorite stack and end the show. So this is how we always like to end. And for the first time of uh, 2022, if you were playing a single entry lineup in a GPP meal, who would be the quarterback and the stack options you would go with? I've been going back and forth and going like super contrarian or just like the run of the mill guys. I'm going to go contrarian. I'm going to go with the Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Actually, probably just one of them. Russell Wilson and either DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett is probably the stack that I would go with. Okay. I could, uh, I could certainly get behind that. I am going to say... I'm going to say just Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup. And I know that that seems like the chalkiest stack in the world, but it kind of isn't. We've got, we've got Matthew Stafford projected for 3% ownership on DraftKings. We've got Cooper Cup at 16%. All things considered, that's a lot less ownership than we normally see going to those guys. I think Cooper Cup in single entry is going to be pretty popular. I don't think Matthew Stafford is. I think a lot of people are going to look at what happened with Stafford last weekend and just say Stafford sucks. I don't want anything to do with him. <laughs> He's had some pretty significant fantasy games this year, and I'm not going to write him off just because of one bad game. So Stafford to Cup, I think that is the the spot to go with in single-entry tournaments. Yes, Matthew Stafford sucked last week. No, I don't think he's going to suck this week. Stafford to Cup, that is going to do it for us this weekend, guys. Do us a favor, like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, check out all the NBA content we have coming up today and all the NFL content for tomorrow. Till then, good luck and Happy New Year.